<laughs> our team. You know, I mean, he was such he, an amazing God, point him. guard. Yeah, we're missing him big time. We're, I mean, that, that 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 one game against Purdue when he went into the lane and he had a layup and he kind of threw it off the backboard and <laughs> any rim. I mean, we, we definitely need that, that presence. What about uh, Chuck Ramsey, a uh, former assistant coach? Are they missing him? No. no it's, 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 the team just hasn't been the same without <laughs> J.C. Mathis this year. <laughs> Really, it's that. really been since Chucky Bailey left uh, three years ago when he decided to transfer to University of Detroit. Or <laughs> how'd that work out? Well, probably they're probably probably pretty well. I'd, I'd assume. <laughs> you know what was surprising in the Boston game? Amadou Ba actually got I think it was like six minutes of playing time because of foul trouble, and you know he didn't look too bad. I mean he he didn't do anything really, but he didn't <laughs> do anything poorly. So. You know, I mean, That's Amadou, what we look for, really. I, I consider Amadou like the Darko of the Pistons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Not yeah, quite the human victory promise, cigar though. because Michigan never really had a lot of victories <laughs> that they could put him in. But that's how that's how I see the two, almost the same way. Well, uh, the Michigan basketball team will take on Miami tomorrow at 9:30. We're gonna try and try finger. because I'm not very good at engineering, as you might be able to tell to uh, replay that game on Friday's Game of the Week. We're going to do a little tape thing. We'll see if that works, but it probably won't. But nonetheless, tune in Friday night. It'd be night cool if it did. <laughs> but uh, that's going to wrap things up for extra points today. For uh, Stephanie Nicholas, Ravi Dev, and Ted Pickus, I'm Steve Lake saying good night <coughs> and go blue. production of WCBN Sports 88.3 FM Ann Arbor. And then right back to Matera. He will feed it to Cogliano. Cogliano puts a shot on. He scores! Andrew Cogliano at the top of the far face-off circle rips the shot that I don't think Dominic McCary saw and beats him over the left shoulder. Wolverines with another power play goal. They are back in front. 3-2. to two. WCBN in Ann Arbor. A square, y'all. This is Jake and Jake at WBCN. John Kent. WCBN. WBCN. WCBN. I'm from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Ann Arbor. Yeah, I was there during the 60s when the universe made something. All right. So, hi, guys, out there in Ann Arbor. Now we're going to. I'm in WBCN. Yes, indeed. He's on the move as we are down here on Gray Matters. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. Although I wonder if Shaky's on the move in this weather tonight. Not without a poncho or an umbrella. Drive safely. It's kind of hard to see pedestrians and uh, bicyclists at this hour. Balmy out there to boot. Yeah. Well, Bush was saved by the dinner bell. The Thanksgiving dinner bell. Uh, I think uh, 
all of his efforts to tar and feather John Murtha last week failed. And uh, obviously he's changing the subject today by raising immigration questions. An old tired issue in American politics that never seems to get resolved one way or another. Uh, Yet it uh, brings out votes for certain constituencies here and there. And uh, Yeah, there's all sorts of uh, vigilante groups now operating in those border regions um, aggressively uh, and violently attacking uh, people trying to sneak in under the wire there. Um, Of course, without undocumented cheap labor, uh, one only knows what would happen to California's economy. Indeed. Well, it's interesting. Uh, the uh, Right before Thanksgiving, the Padilla case uh, reared its ugly head mm-hmm. again. And speaking of uh, <laughs> immigration fears and f- drumming up the war on terror, uh, this is a blatant case of sort of peekaboo by the Bush administration. Um, deemed an enemy combatant for the purposes of legal limbo well raising the specter of the radioactive dirty bomb you know i read Mm. the background on this guy and i thought yeah he's really got a background in biochemistry (laughs) guy probably doesn't even uh, know what the periodic chart is uh but uh, yeah john ashcroft of course featured him in a news conference back in 2002 as a dangerous terrorist you know that was involved in the radioactive dirty bomb plot which quite frankly, struck me as a little bit of uh, hooey at the time. And, of course, uh, this is blatant, unconstitutional, uh, just part of the blatant, unconstitutional practices of the Bush administration. Padilla, I don't know whether the man's involved uh, with al-Qaeda or whether he's a terrorist or not, but uh, I do know that uh, he deserves a day in court, and that's what the U.S. Constitution says. It's right in the Bill of Rights. It's in several amendments of the Bill of Rights, including the right to a... uh, uh, a fair and speedy trial, uh, and of course habeas corpus is uh, one of those uh, words that's uh, literally disappeared uh, in the so-called war on terror. Speaking of which, <laughs> I noticed uh, that uh, the latest edition of The Nation magazine has a dictionary of republicanisms, and habeas corpus uh, is in the dictionary defined as a, no- a noun, archaic, Latin, legal term no longer use, uh, see Patriot Act. <laughs> Just sort of what it is. So, uh, Gonzalez, of course, who's now the Attorney General, is now uh, trying to subvert the Supreme Court hearing on this matter so that the Bush administration can continue to play peekaboo with this phrase, enemy combatant. Um, and it's uh, quite frankly a bunch of rubbish. Um, Regarding American citizens, that's that's the mm-hmm. main issue here. Um, we either have a constitution or we don't, and hopefully we do. And it will be very interesting to see if the conservatives uh, on the Supreme Court uh, engage themselves in this so-called original intent. The If it's not in the constitution, it's not a right. Well, I mean, these rights are spelled out in the Constitution, plain and simple. Pretty clearly. So it'll be interesting to see how Thomas and Scalia and uh, others uh, view the matter, but I suspect that the Supreme Court will uh, overturn this uh, legal uh, limbo that uh, the Bush administration has incorporated in its so-called war on terror. 
Indeed, uh, and all sorts of weirdness and chicanery still abound. The question of uh, international concern over uh, CIA flights uh, bringing terror suspects to uh, outside nations for uh, basically uh, torture detail. Uh, country after country is uh, complaining and investigating this uh, article from last week. The Netherlands asking about CIA overflights. Uh, and this one uh, claimed that a CIA prisoner uh, flight landed on Dutch soil last week. Uh, other stories coming out of Vienna. <clears throat> and really the uh, alarming thing about this is that uh, the Bush administration continues to talk out of both sides of its mouth. Bush says, we don't torture. Cheney says, we need to torture. And it's just that odious of a concept that even flying over and landing to refuel in these European countries, I mean, torture really is that offensive and uh, inhuman a thing. I mean, the big pop culture uh, craze of the moment for kids is the Harry Potter books and films. And, of course, there's one in the theaters right now. And one of the most terrible things that a young magician can do with magic is torture. Now, this is something that's being consumed by millions of kids around the world. Uh, and it's a basic ethical truth that torture is bad. Okay. Um, but uh, we're going to keep flying uh, people to be tortured outside of our country into other countries where apparently it's just uh, another form of work well uh, yeah there are a variety of eu investigations into this matter and uh, i think the bbc had a report just uh, a week or two ago about the interesting possibility that in fact maybe some of the so-called enemy combatants are actually uh, in airplanes that are perpetually flying around the globe like uh, those uh, legendary garbage ships too foul to be uh, permitted to land anywhere. Yeah, and there's probably some escape clause regarding international law since they're not on the ground, they don't have to be <laughs> rendered anywhere. It's uh be interesting to find out if uh, maybe Mr. Bush will uh have uh, Dick Cheney uh rendered uh for torture. <laughs> maybe he can figure out the the leak uh situation and since Cheney's so into torture himself he might get into it. Right? A little sadomasochism <laughs> run rampant in the White House could bring back another version of Lewinsky Gate, um, if only it would happen. Ken Starr is just dreaming about the, the prospect. Yes, he can be the uh, dominatrix rather than the prosecutor, and uh, Cheney, I'm sure, will squeal. <laughs> and uh, we will leave it at that. Well, there is more uh, information about the entire uh, leak scenario. Uh, another uh, Time magazine reporter has been asked to testify. You've probably heard about this. Um, Viveka Novak. Notice that last name. No relation to Robert Novak, who, of course, started the whole thing by yeah. first making public disclosure of the fact that uh, she worked for the CIA. And, and his name, of course, has yet to come up. I don't even know if he's testified in front of these... Uh, it's a mystery why he's being let off the hook. Maybe uh, <laughs> It's remarkable. But anyway, Viveka Novak, uh, who has written about it, has been asked to uh, come in to talk to Fitzgerald about conversations she had with Carl Rove's lawyer. So expect more uh, details there. And then, of course, we had this disturbing revelation uh, last week about uh, George Bush, uh, our uh, president of the United States, uh, apparently uh, had an idea of bombing Al Jazeera in Qatar. 
And uh, this basically was a story exposed by the Daily Mirror in Britain. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Britain is trying to use official secret acts to squelch this information. They're conducting an investigation into the leak of this information. Apparently, a transcript of Bush's uh, uh, fantasy or possible policy uh, proposal. Uh, Is there really a line between Bush's fantasy world and the realm of possible policy? Jeez. Yeah, and of course, uh, Scott McClellan, who's also a man under increasing uh, tension, pressure, and uh, nervousness, um, said, quote, we are not interested in dignifying something so outlandish and inconceivable with such a response. Uh, oh, really? Um, well... Uh, this is yet another damaging disclosure, and uh, I'd like to see more investigation into the matter. Let's forget about the well, technicalities of the official British Secret Act. Right. Um, it's a very disturbing uh, concept, but one that I'm sure Theron would agree with. <laughs> <laughs> and let's give a brain damage award to the Ann Arbor News for giving such a lavish spread in the uh, Sunday paper to... Uh, I mean, there are so many right-wing haters on the radio that really to celebrate a local one seems hardly worthwhile. I'm not sure why uh, WEMU's and WCBN's Arwolf Arwolf doesn't deserve a special spread in the newspaper. Uh, he's a bastion of sanity in a world that is completely remorseless. I mean... But all you need to know, regardless of Theron's taste in music, which apparently is not all that bad, if you think that the best book you've read all year is a book by Michael Savage, yeah. you're just not challenging yourself intellectually very much at all. Well, what I liked was the words of wisdom. Um, they have these little uh, juicy quotes that Theron has made. And, right. Um, you know, just on the issue of Al Jazeera, and of course I throw this in, uh, actually knowing Theron, um, he is a likable fellow. Um, but uh, some of these uh, words of wisdom are, are very troubling. Um, of course, on Al Jazeera, he says, quote, another entity we should have taken out when we had the chance, reflecting Bush's apparent uh, sentiments exactly. And uh, on well, Hugo, the fact that it's a criminal act, of course, is yeah. On Hugo part. Chavez, he says uh, Pat Robertson said this guy should have been taken out, and he was right on the money. Um, Hugo Chavez, by the way, is actually a popularly elected um, semi-dictator of Venezuela. Um, I don't agree with everything Chavez advocates, but I think at the same time he's got valid uh, concerns about uh, Yankee imperialism, among other things. And I think that if America was involved in an assassination of the president of Venezuela, uh, actually elected president of Venezuela, he's uh, not even comparable to Castro in, in that you mm -hmm. know concept of dictatorness, um, that uh, we might find ourselves cut off on oil, um, let alone uh, the obvious problems with uh, uh, international law here. And, of course... This is coming from the guy that uh, used to advocate uh, starting up your car and putting a brick on the accelerator to enhance global warming because he thought that was a good thing. Um, and, uh, well, this is an interesting other quote that we'll just give him a brain damage award. He says, we've gotten fat, we've gotten lazy, and we've downsized and downsized our military. We are no longer ready to stand up and face the task at hand. Oil is the lifeblood of civilization. 
and the task at hand is to make sure under no circumstances does it stop flowing. Well, that's complete baloney on a number of levels. Uh, the ancient world had a number of very highly developed civilizations, none of which ran on any oil other than olive oil. And of course, taking, and we spend more than the rest of the world put together on military uh, yeah. matters. So we haven't downsized, and uh, taking out Chavez would probably uh, hurt the flow of oil, um, particularly since China seems to be making bloop, side deals bloop, bloop. Uh, of their own in the Middle East. So I don't know, Theron, uh, stick to music, man. <laughs> Well, on a similar uh, subject uh, story over the weekend or from the uh, end of last week, about a bizarre suggestion uh, from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce uh, noting that the Highway Trust Fund is running out of money and Congress needs to think about new revenue sources. Hey, why not tax hybrids and other fuel-efficient cars? Well, here's a really stupid idea. Let's punish efficiency. Why, you know, if we are running out of money to fund the highway system, and let's face it, in Michigan, the highways are not that great. Uh, I know state to state, there's many uh, differences and a lot of variability there. But why not tax the Hummers, the SUVs, the fuel inefficient cars? Why not uh, tax all the uh, truck traffic? Uh, the big semi-trucks, uh, wouldn't it be better uh, and safer for regular uh, citizens driving if most of that uh, commercial transport was done by rail? Well, of course, we ripped up most of the rails in this country to uh, expedite uh, motor vehicleization. Uh, but taxing fuel-efficient cars is a totally stupid way to raise money. Well, another uh, plan maybe to tax the military's use of oil, because it's interesting, they account for about 11 to 12 percent of our total oil um, consumption daily. So when you figure in that it's, you know, it's uh, 84 million barrels of oil daily that the United States needs, uh, the military is using uh, seven and a half million barrels a day. And that's wow. uh, that's mind boggling. Um that might be uh, Venezuela and Saudi Arabia combined in terms of oil production, uh, Theron. <laughs> For a day. <laughs> <coughs> um, yeah. Uh, Frank Rich, once again, uh, hits the words right on the head. He's got an excellent column about, uh, you know, the words of Cheney and Bush boomeranging back on them, uh, which I would echo uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, we haven't heard too much of them uh, <laughs> dealing with Mirtha in the last uh, seven days. But uh, it's very interesting. I just want to read a couple of things that he reveals in this uh, yesterday's column because I think these are significantly uh, important new details. Um, he writes that a nearly 7,000-word investigation in last Sunday's L.A. Times found that Mr. Bush and his aides had, quote, in issued increasingly dire warnings about Iraq's mobile biological weapon labs long after U.S. intelligence authorities were told by Germany's Federal Intelligence Service that the principal source of these warnings, an Iraqi defector in German custody known as Curveball, never claimed to produce germ weapons and never saw anyone else do so. The five senior German intelligence officials who spoke to the Times, L.A. Times, said that they were aghast that such long discredited misinformation from a suspected fabricator turned up in Colin Powell's presentation to the U.N. and in the President's State of the Union address, 2003. Right after the L.A. Times scoop, Murray Wass filled in another piece of pre-war propaganda. 
He reported in the nonpartisan National Journal that 10 days after 9-11, President Bush was told in a highly classified briefing that the U.S. intelligence community had no evidence linking Iraq, uh, Iraq's regime of Saddam Hussein to the attacks and that there was scant credible evidence that, the, that Iraq had significant collaborative ties with al-Qaeda. Moreover, it points out that Saddam Hussein actually was involved in efforts to monitor and infiltrate these Islamic terrorist groups, which he regarded as adversaries of his secular regime. Which is pretty interesting. Um, Just about the opposite of what was stated. Yeah, we uh, maybe should have used Saddam as an intelligence (laughs) source on al-Qaeda, but we didn't. No, we've used instead the Pakistani ISI, which in fact has more uh, weird and mysterious connections to 9-11 than certainly uh, any Iraqi connection might. So he goes on further to note that what these revelations also tell us, this is Frank Rich again, is that Mr. Bush was wrong when he said in his Veterans Day speech that more than 100 congressional Democrats who voted for the Iraq war, quote, had access to the same intelligence he did. They didn't have access to the president's daily briefing that Mr. Wass uncovered. They didn't have access to the information that German intelligence officials spoke about to the L.A. Times, nor did they have access to material from a DIA agency report released by Senator Levin, Carl Levin of Michigan this month, which as early as February 2002 demolished the reliability of another major source that the administration had persistently used for its false claims between the connection uh, of Iraq and al-Qaeda. So, uh, yeah, the further uh, Cheney and Bush um, continue with this uh, PR campaign, and I understand the president is going to give a speech uh, this Wednesday um, telling us to stay the course yet again, um, and defend his Iraq policy, um, that there really do need to be substantive investigations into um, what the president knew and when he forgot it and what he said about what he knew and when he forgot that, uh, because it's pretty alarming. And it's uh, interesting that Tom Friedman, who you know sometimes has a really good column, over this past week, uh, talked a little bit about George Bush's, quote, third term, in which he claims that uh, Bush is starting his third term now and that uh, election day of last year to election day of this year was his, quote, second term and an utterly wasted term. But as he uh, puts it in his uh, uh, column, and I would, well, somewhat agree with this, he writes this sort of interesting observation says, when I watch Mr. Bush these days, though, he looks to me like a man who wishes that we had a 28th Amendment to the Constitution called, Can I Go Now? Unquote. <laughs> he looks like somebody who would prefer to pack up and go back to his Texas ranch. It's not just that he doesn't seem to be having any fun. It just seems that he's totally out of ideas relevant to the nation's future. Um, well, unfortunately, he's got three and a half more years, and we're stuck with him mm-hmm. um, through better or worse. Uh, there will be no impeachment of the president, unfortunately. Um, so, if, so richly deserved. Richly deserved. So if Mr. Bush is uh, out of gas, um, gee, maybe he ought to go down to the BP, BP filling station and uh, 
get some juice. Tank up. Tank up, baby. Your energy is flagging. Here's an idea. They can borrow one from uh, the pharmaceutical industry. No, Bush shouldn't start taking pills in addition to drinking. That would be a really bad combination. But just a bizarre article on the front page of today's Times about cheerleaders being hired by pharmaceutical companies to do promotional work. Yeah, and I wonder why the doctors buy the products from the cheerleaders. My goodness. Jesus. Uh, I would think, essentially, that cheerleaders make good salespeople. <laughs> now, you know, my own mother was a cheerleader. And I have to say that some of my least favorite people in high school were, were cheerleaders. So there, was President Bush. So was President Bush. <laughs> He's a cheerleader who's lost his enthusiasm for the work. Not like Anya, a sculptured former college cheerleader, on Sundays she works the sidelines for the Washington Redskins. But weekdays finds her urging gynecologists to prescribe a treatment for vaginal yeast infection. Wow. This is uh, a recruiting pipeline, according to the Times, that fuels the country's pharmaceutical sales. So here, take these pills. I really like the sales lady. Yeah. Um, another interesting <clears throat> item that I saw in the business section uh, about a strange event last week regarding copper. Uh, we're told repeatedly in America that we have a capitalist system and that free markets reign and blah, blah, blah. Well, any <clears throat> analytical, historical uh, scrutiny of the matter would show that that's just simply not the case. Uh, we have, unfortunately, an, an oligopolist system and controlled markets and all sorts of shenanigans going on. By the way, I've been reading this uh, very good book, um, Ravi Batra's Greenspan's Fraud, How Two Decades of His Policies Have Undermined the Global Economy, uh, particularly relevant because Greenspan, of course, is about to bow out mm -hmm. uh, here in a couple of weeks, and it's very obvious that Ben Branicki is going to be confirmed uh, perhaps unanim unanimously. Uh, but this is a actually excellent uh, sort of almost 101 micro or excuse me macroeconomics analysis of uh, greennomics as he calls it and the disastrous policies that uh, Greenspan has undertaken on behalf of uh, multinational corporations uh, and the super rich and how a lot of these things have amounted to frauds, including the myth that Reagan cut taxes in the 1980s because uh, he goes into the details about how there actually were tax increases in 82, and, of course, the 83 uh, doubling of Social Security taxes hit workers and uh, people making, say, less than 90000 uh much more than uh, more wealthy people who have seen big tax cuts uh, with the Reagan-Bush uh, II policies of massive uh, cuts to income taxes and also... Uh, Dividend uh, income, that sort of stuff, in stock investing, and we're told constantly uh, by the president that uh, the tax cuts are working. America's, you know, doing this, that, and the other, and of course, it's all nonsense. Uh, this is all about how Greenspan has repeatedly created debt to deal with uh, these global economic problems and how these bailouts of occurred right and left, and this, of course, uh, coming from an advocate of uh, free market e economics and a disciple of Ayn Rand and other uh, sort of uh, rugged individualistic uh, philosophies. Uh, so I highly recommend this book. I understand it's actually been a New York Times bestseller uh, because it, it presents things in a fairly simple 
mathematical way in terms of economics uh, and the relationship between monetary policy and uh, macroeconomic uh, policy and how Greenspan, of course, has involved himself in a lot of these macroeconomic ideas with contradictory claims at various times. In other words, when the Democratic administrations were engaged in deficit spending, he was uh, calling the alarm bells when it was Republicans. He had no problems with it uh, and called these uh, stimulative for the economy. But in any event, a very interesting item last week about copper futures. I just wanted to read this because I find this uh, fascinating. It says, copper futures fell more than $100 a ton in London yesterday after rumors emphasize the word rumors, circulated that a possible short position believed to be held by the Chinese government would not expire on December 21st, as was previously thought. A trader for the Chinese government is believed to have made a bet involving 100,000 tons of copper that the price would decline. If that does not happen by the expiration, he or the government would have to buy copper to cover the position, pushing prices up. Copper prices hit records last week as buyers traded on that belief. Many traders now say the Chinese have been able to push back the due date for several months. Copper for delivery in three months fell $103 a ton to $4,112 a ton. So this is very interesting. Uh, the rumor uh, that circulated that caused this whole thing to happen and, of course, the speculation uh, that the Chinese government or, quote, individual in China was involved in this uh, $100,000, or excuse me, 100,000 tons of copper contract. Very interesting stuff, uh, something that's always small but uh, sometimes has significant uh, global consequences. Just about out of time here on Grand Matters uh, this evening. Yazoo City Calling will be coming up next. Um, interesting comments from uh, Saddam Hussein as he uh, entered his trial today. Apparently he had to walk up four flights of 